we are into our series, The Power Of. The Power Of. Who was here last week when we kicked this off? Yeah? It was so great. Um, and just to kind of briefly recap for you, the heart and, and the message behind this, these number of weeks while we're in this series, The Power Of, is that there's this desire in me, and God has, has just continued to stir this up, that we would train up and we would raise up a people of faith, a people who follow Christ with full abandonment and, and with full faith in a way where they can see and experience and walk in the power that God has truly given us to be able to walk in, that there's a, you know, a life that could be lived, uh, somebody who knows Christ and somebody who maybe you know, claims to be a Christian, but it could be a life that's lived that's very powerless, uh, that's very mundane, very dry, if you will, from a, from a spiritual perspective, no passion, no fire in it, and, uh, and that's just not the picture that we see. When we read our Bible, that's not what we get when we look at how Christ has not only called us to live, but he has empowered us to do that. So important when God asks us to do something, when he compels us or commands us to do something, that we recognize he's actually given us what we need and will continue to sustain us and give us what we need in order to fully be able to walk that out. And I don't know about you, but there's something that stirs my faith in that. There's something that builds me up in that. When I hear God say something like, you're going to walk and you're going to do greater, Jesus said, greater things will you do than I did, I feel this sense of, oh my gosh, that is such a tall order, that is such a big thing, but then I see in scripture where he says that I've given you my spirit and you're going to walk according to this same power. So it's like, oh, okay, great, you're going you're gonna to give me what I need to be able to do that. Does that make sense? And so this power that we have is something that should really permeate every area of our lives. It should be something that we recognize and see the power of God, the hand of God, the transformational ability of the Holy Spirit that is actually moving, flowing, operating in every area of our lives. If you're to survey your life right now, would you be able to say, with your career or with your relationships in your home and your marriage and in all these different facets of our lives that we are blessed to be able to have that God has given us that he's wanting to call us to things in these areas that we can do for him but when we look at them all can we truly say I recognize that there is evidence of an almighty God of the power of the hand of God happening in all of these places can I regularly testify both to myself and to others that, man, you're never going to believe what God just did in this area. Man, God showed up again. This never would have happened if it wouldn't have been for God. That ought to be the way that we are talking about all of these different areas of our lives on a regular basis if we're really living in that place of power. Are you with me? 
And I believe the church is hungry for this. I really do. I believe the church in our nation today, you know, there's something interesting about when things get really, really bad and, and, and conditions worsen and things get harder and harder. It's almost like sometimes there's a setting for a stage for like a perfect kind of storm. You know, sometimes in our real true desperation is when we really will cry out to God and recognize how much we need Him and become more open and more vulnerable and more willing than, than in other times and other seasons where things seem to be going pretty good, you know? And so I feel like today the church overall is hungry, is ready, is needing a, 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 an an increase and in impartation of a new level of power and of authority where the church actually begins to become what it should be, which is the actual most influential organization, the most infor- influential transformational entity that's affecting all of these other areas of society that we live in. Church isn't another box. It's not another compartment of our lives. Faith is the overarching, resounding principle that actually ought to be affecting every other compartment and area and part of our lives. Are you with me so far? And so the power of today, what I want to talk to you about is the power of prayer. The power of prayer. And I suspect that we're going to get into this today and, and probably continue in this one next week. But the thing that I want to try to convey is that there, there is a great difference, if you will, a stark contrast to me when people are living a life that is on fire and is, is filled with passionate, fervent prayer the way that God has really called us and equipped us to be able to live versus a life that's lived where there really is no mountain-moving type of prayer that's being lifted, that's being spoken, and that's being declared. And, and, and I want to try and encourage us and, and build our appetite because we're all in different places. I know this. But to say, my, I want my prayer life to be set on fire. I want a prayer life that I walk in every day where I can truly see the realities of heaven's kingdom happening, meaning that hell is actually being pushed back. Hell is actually being overturned and disrupted in the world where I come in contact with it because of the prayer life that I am walking and living in. My kids, it was so special to me this week. I was in my room praying and preparing for the service and seeking God. And man, let me just tell you, the Lord is so awesome. I mean, he's just been building and increasing in a powerful way just in times of study and times of prayer and times of worship just throughout my week. And I, I, I know that that's happening with other people. And I'm so encouraged by that. But I'm in my... I'm in my time, you know, and I'm preparing and studying. My kids come running in, and I had to learn, by the way, that uh, that doesn't disrupt the flow of God. I used to, get out! The Lord is speaking right now. Get away. Shut the door. I'm in the zone, the presence of God, you know? 
And I used to think that that would like mess things up. Here they come running in. And I had to learn to realize like you're a daddy, you know, and God is, he wants them to experience this with you. You know, this shouldn't, if this shouldn't take away from that. You know, that's just me. I'm just messed up, right? So I thought that. He's worked on me. Uh, you have your things too. Come on now, you know. So anyway, they come running in and they're like, Dad, you know, what are you, what are you preaching on this Sunday? What are you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, I, I'm actually talking about the power of prayer and how we're supposed to live in a way where we pray all the time and often, but in a way where it's powerful and things are happening and we see God moving in our lives. And I'm telling you, it was a proud daddy moment. And the, one of my little girls is in there. She's like, oh, dad, that's you. And I was just like, my heart, you know, she's like, dad, that's you. That's you. That's how you are. And it was like this, I mean, God just, he, thank God that I didn't close the door to them coming in, right? And it just, it just filled my heart so full of love. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's awesome. That's what I want to hear. I want them to see that. They need to see that. And even more importantly, they need to be demonstrating and doing that too. And I know, like, we'll be, we were, last year, we were down at the lake for a little family time, and, and it was this bad, cloudy, overcast day all of a sudden that came in, and, and they were like, let's just pray, Dad, let's just pray. And they started praying for God to take the clouds away and for the day to be nice. And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here right now, it wasn't even an hour later. And the sun was shining. The clouds were gone. That was not what was in the forecast. And the day for the rest of the day was a beautiful afternoon, you know. And, it, and, and they were the ones that, and here's the point, is that they recognized something that, that was a heart's desire, something that they w felt that they wanted to see happen, and their solution for that was to pray about that. Are you with me? To, the solution, the antidote to the things that we see in, happening in our lives or the things that we want to see happening or that we want to stop happening, whatever it may be, that the antidote and the solution is, is that we have this thing God has given us and equipped us with called prayer that he is asking us to engage in. It's our way of partnering with him. It's our way of communicating to the world the realities of heaven. It's our way of speaking the true principles, the alignment of the heavenly kingdom into the world, in the earth that we walk in. And God's saying, he's, he's asking of our prayers. I, I want to help you see something today that has really just kind of blown my mind when it comes to prayer. And it's going to take you through just a couple of steps that I hope will open up our hearts, our minds, and just most importantly, engage us further into a place of passionate and fervent prayer, wherever we are in our lives. I know that all of us are probably in different places at this. Some of us may be in a place right now where we, we never even pray publicly where we've ne we never stop and pray with our loved ones, with our family, with our friends, with people around us. There's, there's people here today, I'll bet, that that's just not even a part of what you normally would see in your life. And I just want to challenge you, man. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I think he'd convict you on this, that, that's not, that there's another place that you need to get to. But there's others of us that maybe we, we do pray, but there's a new level of passion and fire and just fervency in which God would be calling us to in our prayer life and our prayer time. So take a look at this. Open your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. 
and I'm going to read, so I'm going to start in verse 5 here. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go to your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words, and therefore do not be like them. For your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. So... One of the things Jesus is doing here is he's, he's admonishing, he's, he's rebuking this type of prayer, this kind of prayer life. He's really rebuking the spirit behind it, actually, that is all about um, praise from men, uh, doing something to be seen and to be heard, to really look self-righteous. They found some sort of uh, approval or satisfaction in the way that they prayed it, this is the Pharisees that would do this. If other people could see them doing that and just have this opinion of look how holy that they are. And Jesus is rebuking and he's crushing that spirit with what he's saying. He's saying, look, when you pray, you pray with your father in the secret place, meaning you're not trying to do this openly for any kind of uh, praise from men or to look good or to appear holy. That's just that's just junk, right? And he's saying when you do that, your Father who is in heaven will actually reward you openly, which is pretty awesome that he promises us that, isn't it? Like when you pray, look, things are going to happen. When you pray, I'm going to move, I'm going to do things, but it's the heart behind the prayer that's really the key. If you're doing it for yourself or some sort of like personal accomplishment or feeling of special and all these things, then you're never going to get to that point. You're never going to experience what I'm talking talking about. But if your prayers are like a person in a secret place where you're just praying with me before me, seeking me and, and, and declaring things where you have no desire to try to look good or to look special, then guess what? I'm going to reward you openly in the way that I move and respond to those prayers because your heart is right. And that's someone that I want to be associated with. That's someone I want people to recognize my favor on because that can actually point them back to me. And he says here, he says in the very last part of those verses, he says that your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask them. And that hit me really hard a number of years ago. And it, it helped me realize that God actually, this is important, like he doesn't actually need our prayers, okay? Think about this for just a second. He doesn't need them, meaning he's a fully omnipotent, all-powerful, self-sufficient God. He doesn't require anything for his existence or his ability to reign. But if he, even though he doesn't need them, he actually summons them. He actually re requires them of us. That's a big thing to kind of grab is that God, he's saying, your father already knows what you need of, so he knows what you need to be praying for. He knows what he wants to do in our lives. He knows what we need actually even better than we 
know for ourselves. But he doesn't just do that and just create that in our lives without us actually living in a place where we're using prayer and we're, we're engaging in prayer and giving our petitions to God in order to see things begin to happen in our lives. So you see this first verse where in Matthew 6 he says, look, what your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. But then if you go over here into the book of Philippians chapter 4, he says something like this. I'm going to start in verse uh, 6. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So think about those two scriptures for a second. Your father already knows what you have need of before you ask him. He already knows what we need to be praying for. But then he turns around and he says here in other passages, by everything in prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. So God desires our prayers. He is requesting our prayers. He is requiring our prayers in order for him to do things in our lives and to move in such a way that he already knows he needs to for us and that he really wants to. But he is, in fact, waiting on requiring us to engage in prayer, in a faith-filled prayer, in order for him to move and operate the way that he wants to. What does that say? It says that there's something significant about the, our prayer life, a passionate fervent prayer life that we actually personally need in order to experience the fullness of God and enjoy the full level of intimacy that he wants us to walk in. We actually need that to have that kind of prayer life. So he said, with everything, all aspects of your life, like we know that it's good to come and pray when we're in church, but listen, he's saying, Everything is, is, needs to be bathed in prayer. Every part of your life, your family, you know, you need to pray over your home. You need to pray over your career decisions. You need to pray over uh, all the things in your life need to be getting affected, need to be getting permeated and touched and, and, and affected by what your prayer life looks like that's going forth before that. Does that make sense? And so, and so we see that, and it ought to be this, this pull, this draw that says, okay, God, you really, this is significant. I need to be operating in a place of prayer that is with extreme passion and fervency and with power. Now look at this in James chapter 4, James chapter 4, verse 2, he says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and can't obtain, cannot obtain. You fight and war. And then here's the key part of the verse. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. See, if there is a void of prayer in our lives, then there will be a void of the things of God being released in our lives. He's saying, there are things that I want to give you. There are things that I want to do in your life that I want to release in your life. And it's by your prayer that's going to be the catalyst, your prayers of faith, that I'm going to release those things into your life from. So if you, he's saying, if you, 
if you don't have because you do not ask, that means that, look, there's things that are lacking in our lives simply because we haven't prayed for them. I mean, that's simple but profound, isn't it? Things that are lacking or are missing or that we would desire to see in our lives that are not there simply because we have not prayed for them. Or if we've prayed for them, we've prayed in a way that doesn't align with the way God's asking us to, where there's faith and there's alignment there with what he's wanting to do in our lives. And I think this is huge. And so a lot of times we can get this, see people have this view of prayer where it's almost like a duty or an obligation, like, oh, I have to do that. That's something I'm supposed to do, you know. I better do that because I know I need to and it's the right thing. And we go about it in a way where we're almost like trying to check that good Christian step off the list for the day. Okay, I said my prayer. I feel good now. And that's just, that's just wrong. It's not a duty or something we have to do. It's a privilege. It's something we get to do. Praise God that he saw fit to create this prayer and this form of communication and language where we actually partner with him and have a, a way of drawing close and intimate with him through prayer. But it's also a way that actually releases the power of God over the realities in our lives and that they begin to bow their knee to the truth and the reality of heaven's kingdom because of that. He's saying, you, look, you, you know, I want to do a lot of things in your life. And God is going to, he's not going to be threatened in his reign and his rule. But there are things that he wants to do in and through all of us that are going to happen as we press in, as we engage, and as we pursue a passionate type of, of walk with him in which prayer becomes our fight. Prayer becomes our battle. Prayer is a way that we oppose the enemy and what he's trying to do in and through our lives. We see something happening, oh, I'm going to pray for that. We see something coming up that's, that's got us uneasy or we feel like the enemy's trying to do something. Man, I'm going to pray over that. I'm going to start praying right now and I'm going to keep praying until that thing goes away, until that feeling lifts, until that uneasiness passes. It's like I'm going to start praying and I'm not going to stop until that happens, right? And listen to this, if you think that prayer is a duty, or you think that prayer is just words that we say and we kind of hope that something happens, you're never going to get to a place where you can't wait to dive in and pursue with all your heart and passion a life of prayer that's fervent and on fire. Who would do that? If we think that prayer is just a duty or an obligation, it's almost like something that you would have an avoidance type of behavior with. But if you were convinced, in fact, that when you pray, things in heaven move and are shifted, if you were convinced and knew that when you pray, that the reign of God and Jesus on high was dispatching orders in the kingdom of heaven and having things begin to get carried out here on earth. If you could see in the spiritual realm the way that things actually are happening, I don't know if we would ever stop praying. Are you with me? I don't know if we would ever have any other solution for anything in our lives that we want to see come about other than prayer. I'm going to start praying, and I'm not going to stop praying until this thing begins to shift. 
And that is really what's going on in the spiritual realm. When God hears our prayers, which he hears them, and we are praying in faith, God is actually moved. Things are happening from on high that are going to change the environment of our lives. Now, what's key is it's not going to always be in our own timing. We're not going to necessarily get to decide how the answers to those prayers happen or how they come. We're just going to have to be okay with that. But there needs to be a trust and a faith that says, when I pray, I know something is happening. I know God is moving and he is doing something on my scene. And when and how I see that here in the natural is just totally up to God. And I'm going to continue to pray and believe until I see the fullness of that thing come to pass. Listen to this. This is uh, in Daniel chapter 9. I think this is where we're going to end up having to stop today. But man, oh man, is this powerful. So the situation here is that Daniel is... In captivity in Babylon, the Jewish people have been taken captive. This is their 70 years of captivity. And that was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah and others that this would come to pass. And so the temple's been destroyed. They're in Babylon in captivity. Daniel's one of the people who are in captivity. And his heart is breaking for the condition of the people. His heart is breaking and it's sad because his people are in bondage. They're in this place where they're basically being ruled by another empire and they're not in their promised land. They're not able to worship in their temple. And so his heart is truly burdened with this. And Daniel is crying out in prayer to God. I mean, and I'm not talking about he just sitting down folding his hands and saying a few prayers like he's fasting, he's mourning, he's doing all the, he's praying with such passion and fervency because he wants to see God do something about the situation that's happening in the lives of his people. That's another interesting point is that when we really on fire with prayer, our prayer life will really just supersede our own personal conditions. They're going to affect all of people around us and even on a national and worldly level, right? But he says this, go to verse 18. He says, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see your desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, huge, but because of your great mercies. So he understands why he's even able to pray. You see that? He's saying, I'm praying not because I deserve or I've done anything special, but God, because you're so merciful and you're so good and you hear and answer prayer. Verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. He's crying out. He's praying for something to happen in this situation. In verse 20, and now, Daniel says, now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord... My God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, an angel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. Huge. Listen to this, verse 23. 
At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out. And I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. At the beginning of your prayer, when you started praying, when you started speaking words, at that moment, the command went out. God issued a command in heaven to dispatch Gabriel and angels to go and begin moving on this scene. Is that powerful or is that powerful? Something happened in the heavenly atmosphere the moment that Daniel began to pray. He said the command went out. Can I suggest something to you? When you pray in faith, believing that you will receive, that when you do, that there is, in fact, a command that's going out, that God is, in fact, issuing a decree. He is authorizing and, and, and instructing his angels, his heavenly forces, his heavenly armies to go and begin moving on your behalf in your scene and in your life for those things. You may not see that. Like Daniel was fortunate to see a vision and Gabriel came to him and actually gave him understanding. That doesn't always happen. But what does always happen is something behind the scenes that God is doing in response to our prayers when we pray them. You've got to know that. You've got to believe that. You've got to expect that. And it doesn't always happen the way that we want it to or the way we think it should. See, Daniel's praying and he gets, Gabriel comes to him and tells him when you spoke, the command went out. But listen, there were still a, a, a little another time there was like another year before Cyrus had released the people of Israel to start some of them going back into their land it was another hundred years before they were actually even able to rebuild the city walls and the temple and all of that so even though Daniel didn't see all of these things come to full fruition you got to get this when he prayed in that moment the command went out and that put the plan in motion it took hundreds of years, guys, because part of what Gabriel goes on to say in these verses to Daniel is he's saying, look, there's going to begin to become a time of rebuilding in the temple and in the city. So that came after Daniel's. Daniel never even saw that himself. And then he said that the Messiah is going to come. So in that in that revelation that he gave Daniel, he talked about Jesus coming some 400 and something years later. And then he even sort of wraps it up with a little bit of revelation about what the end times when Christ returns is actually going to look like. So in this vision that Daniel gets, he sees hundreds of years, actually thousands of years of time is a part of what the response to his prayers just actually that he gave are going to be. But heaven has moved. And a plan has been set in motion because faith-filled prayers were spoken. And that is where I want to leave us today. That's what I want to challenge you with today is do you know, do you know that when you pray, your heavenly Father hears you. He is receiving your prayers. And he is setting a plan in motion to begin and continue acting on your behalf. And the follow-through of that answer to prayer may last your entire lifetime. It may carry on long after you're even gone. 
And God knows what we need better than we know what we need, right? He's looking for our prayers, and when we speak them, he moves. But he understands how to carry out the actual fulfillment of the answer to that prayer. And thank God, when we put ourselves in a position to be the ones praying and trusting, and he begins to be the one actually executing. Because that's when we see things like what you just see here, where God begins to move in the scene and begins to change the whole situation about Israel being in captivity. It literally, guys, from the time that he said those prayers, if you do your history right, it literally was like one year after that, not even, I think, whenever King Cyrus issued the first decree to start releasing people out of Babylon to go back to their homeland. Literally, like not even one year. That was unheard of. The Bible says that God moved on the heart of King Cyrus. Isn't that something? And so let's stand to our feet today and let's just do this. Let's, let's, let's sing a song. Let's, let's just worship for one more moment as we go out of here. But I want you to think about where your prayer life is going. Where is it going? Where is it headed from here? Are you convinced and, and pursuing a life of prayer that really is set on fire? Is it a life of prayer that every day things are being affected in your world as a result of you engaging in this kind of warfare? Or are we going through days and days and days on end and never really seeing the effects of what prayer is supposed to be doing in our lives. When you, there's another verse we'll get to next week in Thessalonians, but it says that you know, rejoice always in everything, give thanks. It says pray without ceasing. And sometimes people are like, man, I don't understand that. Like, what does that mean? You just like sit there and pray and never stop. Well, when you read that without ceasing, it means to never go lengths or spanses of time where something has been interrupted. Or stifled. So this whole idea of praying without ceasing means that there ought to not be spanses of time in our lives, and I consider that to be hours, really, but whatever, lengths of time, there ought to never be these voids, these moments that we just go along and, and prayer didn't infiltrate and affect all the things that we had going on during those periods. It's, it's a lifestyle is what that really is describing, a lifestyle of prayer. And that's what the believer is called to, a lifestyle of prayer that disrupts and changes the world's reality because heaven is invading that as a result of the prayers that we are lifting.